And, and so today, like, what I really want to talk to us about is communication. Because communication, right? So last week we talked about how to have a marriage and a relationship, no matter where you are in the relationship process, whether you're married, engaged, single, looking, whatever it is, right? That we, we wanted to talk about, and we looked at Ephesians chapter 5, where there's a way to have a relationship inside the box, and God lays this box out, and there's this, you know, f- framework of how to have a blessed, God-honoring marriage that uplifts each other and honors God in the process. And then I told you last week, I said over the next several weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to put some tools in that box so that we can live it out each and every day. And one of the first tools that I want to talk to you about over the next few minutes today is communication. Because communication is the diffuser of confusion. Communication is the diffuser of confusion. And so I want you to go ahead and, and I, if you're taking notes, and we say here at Radiate, note takers are what? History makers. So we want you to take notes. If you're taking notes, you can title it this, Talk It Out, right? Talk It Out. And you can go ahead and turn in your Bibles. We're going to hang out first and foremost in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and this is in the New Testament. It's right before 2 Thessalonians. That was funny. Y'all should have laughed way harder at that. We want to take a minute at this point in the message, and we want to welcome our Florence campus, phase two of phase four launch. Come on, somebody. We're glad you guys are watching online today. Everybody that's online at home, you're sick or something's going on, we miss you. Cannot wait for you to be here with us and worship with us uh, as we do this. There's so much amazing stuff that's going on. I do want to encourage you, one of the ways that we can put some tools in your toolbox and help you live this thing out is what Shaniqua said earlier. Write down some questions you have about love. I don't care if you're married or not. doesn't matter. You can ask anything. Okay? Because in this series, what have we said the whole time? We have an amazing kids ministry. And so if your kid is in here and you don't want them hearing us talk about marriage and married things, I suggest you take them there. So you can ask about anything you want to. Take it. There's a box in the back back there next to the sound booth. We'd love for you to drop it in there. If you're online or if you're at at Florence, you can email them, youmatter at radiatechurch.net. Totally anonymous. We'd love to answer those questions during the series. My wife and I are going to take the stage on the fourth week of this series, and we're just going to answer rapid fire those questions and get into conversation about those things. So we want you to give us some questions so that we can do that. Last thing I want to invite you to be a part of on March the 5th, March the 5th, we haven't done this in a couple years. My wife and I want to do a marriage one day for you and with you. And so here's what we want you to do. That looks like a 10 to 2 on March the 5th. Lunch is included. We're going to have conversations about marriage, about love, about relationships. How do you fight fair? Somebody asked me right before, if you were here last week, this is going to make a lot of sense. uh, Asked me right before this message, how do you get her to take more Tylenol? You can fill in the blank there. We'll talk to you about how to do how to crush those up and put them in her sweet tea. We'll <laughs> I'm just playing, y'all. I'm just playing. Calm down. Uh, no, we want you to be here. It's going to be a great time. We're going to have a lot of fun conversation, a lot of fun time together, connect with other couples, connect with each other, and learn. So we want you to register and be a part of that with my wife and I, and let's just have a good time on March, March the 5th. It doesn't matter if you're at Florence or online, you're invited to be a part of that with us, all right? Let me do something right at the beginning. Grab your Bibles, whether it's on your phone or whether it's your Bible, all right? And here's what I want to do. Everybody hold your Bible up. Come on, everybody hold your Bible up, even if it's your phone. Even if you ain't got that Bible app pulled up, just hold your phone up. Doesn't matter. I don't know the difference. Okay, hold them up. All right, if you're married and you're holding your Bible up, put it down. Everybody else, look around, find somebody you like. 
all right? Rainy date, you're welcome. All right, so we're in this thing. <laughs> Somebody just found them a date. It's Valentine's Day. I got you. I got you. <laughs> so we want to we wanna talk about communication. And here's why communication is, is so important, because at some point in your your life, whether dating, engaged, married, single, never had a boyfriend, never had a girlfriend, doesn't matter. At some point in life, we've experienced disappointment. If you've had a relationship with the opposite sex, you've experienced disappointment, right? If you're dating, right, you start off starry-eyed and in love. They can do no wrong. They're beautiful. It doesn't matter. The way they blow their nose is cute. Everything, the way they smack their food and you see it in the middle of chews, that is so beautiful to you. Everything, right, is gorgeous. They can do no wrong. And then there comes, the more you're together, right, there comes disappointment. And disappointment can look like a lot of different things. When you're dating, it can be, he got me flowers that I don't like and he should know what my favorite flowers are by now, right? Or I bought her this perfume that I thought looked, smelled great on her and she won't even wear it, right? Or when you're, when you get married, right, every man goes into a marriage thinking you're going to have sex every single day of your life, right? By day three, you're disappointed, <laughs> right? Every woman goes into marriage, she's like, he's going to do the dishes and clean up and his boxers will never be on the floor. By day hour six, you're disappointed, <laughs> right? Right? Yeah, I mean, and we have these, here's what disappointment is, though. We have to understand this. Disappointment is unmet expectations. It's just unmet expectations, right? Whether they're communicated properly or not, doesn't matter. Disappointment is an unmet expectation. The issue is, is when we don't know how to properly communicate, there's confusion on the expectations, and so therefore you can be disappointed while your spouse or your significant other thinks that they are actually doing something great. And then you walk around mad, resentment is building up because we don't know how to have the communication that we need to have about these things. That's why I say communication is the diffuser of confusion. Because when we properly have conversations about it, when we properly learn how to talk about this stuff, then the reality is then we don't have to be so confused about what they want. Here's a thought for you. I want to give you this thought. It's kind of taken from a leadership thought that I teach on a good bit with, our, with leadership and with leaders here and, and abroad. It's this. It's I cannot expect from someone what I will not express. I cannot expect from my spouse, from those I lead, I cannot expect from someone what I won't express. And I have to learn how to express these things because expression creates expectation. And now, if I properly communicate the expression and the expectation, now we're both on the same page. We both know how to run the same play and get to the same place at the same time to get there together. And I'll, I'm going to repeat what I said last week. I don't just want you to end this life with money and things. I want you to get to the finish line with God and with your family. And if we do that, that is true success. That's where I want us to be. And so we got to learn to have this communication to where we're ex properly expressing what we're expecting. And the hard part comes whenever we don't figure out how to properly express what we expect. 
It's like this. Let me, let, me, let me give you this example, right? So when you go to lunch, we're going to get out of here at 11 o'clock, right? You're going to get out at 11. Let's be real. I'm preaching. Probably 11.05, 11.10. We're going to get out of here somewhere around 11, and you're going to go to lunch. And when you go to lunch, there's going to be a waiter or a waitress that is there, and they're going to come up. Or let's do it this way, because it's Valentine's weekend, and I already know, I don't have to remind you, you got the plans made, you got the flowers and the chocolates and the cards and the gifts, and y'all looking at me really blank, with blank faces right now. There is going to be some very disappointed, unmet expectations up in here. <laughs> but when you go on your Valentine's date, right, my wife and I went on ours last night, and and, 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 and there's, a, there's a waiter or waitress that shows up, and they say, good evening, sir, madam, whatever. You know, it depends on where you go. If it's McDonald's, it's what, what, what do you want? Just depends on where you go, how they greet you, okay? My first date with my wife, y'all, I went big, Wendy's. Come on, somebody. I said, baby, you get anything you want. I got you. Got you. It worked. I mean, hey, whatever. We're married now, you know. <laughs> Stick with me. I'll learn you a thing or two. And so we, <laughs> they'll come up and they'll say, what do you want to drink, right? What do you want to drink? And it's, it's like, this is unexpected. This is expectations when you don't express it. It's like you look at the waiter or the waitress and you just go. And in your mind, you're trying to telepathically let them know, I want sweet tea. All they pick up on is, I'm bringing them unsweet tea. So they bring you a drink that is unsweet tea. Your brain, your taste buds, your expectation is sweet tea. You ever drank unsweet tea when you fully expected sweet tea? Y'all, it's not good. I'd rather put my hand on a hot stove. It's so disappointing. That's not true because that hurts. It's disappointing. And so it's the same thing as going, I expected you to bring me, and then we get mad at the server because they brought us something we didn't want when we never told them what we wanted to begin with, and now it's their fault that I'm getting a product that I don't enjoy. Ladies, can I just tell you, we don't get the hints. We don't understand. I know they're good hints. I know that you pin them on your Pinterest board. I know that you share the reels with us. I know that you like let us know in the store like, oh, that's cute. We don't get the hints. Just tell us. Just to, if you want me to get better at something, here's the best way to tell me. This is for me. Most men are probably this way. Not all, but most. If you want me to get better at something, just go, hey, get better at this. Don't be like, I really wish. Like, he's so nice. He's just so nice. Don't tell me that. Just say, I wish you were nicer. Okay, I'll be nicer. Men, she probably doesn't respond to the directness that we have. I'm the kind of guy that is like, hey, this is what we're doing. Let's go. Come on. My wife is not that way. And so when I speak in a language that she doesn't understand, the communication is now confused, and there's expectations on my part, and now she's mad at me because the way I'm communicating them, and I'm mad at her because my expectations aren't getting fulfilled, and all these things. And the reality is, is not only do we come into marriage with baggage, not only do we come into a relationship with baggage from previous relationships or what other people have done to us and all these things, now we've got unmet expectations that our current spouse or our current relationship can't fulfill because we have no idea how to communicate. And if we, I'm just, 
I've been in ministry, y'all. This is going to be my 20th year in ministry this year. When this church turns 10 years old in March, I'll be 20 years in ministry. Y'all, I've seen some stuff. And I'm convinced communication would fix most of them. If we'd learn how to have that conversation. Let me tell you what Simon Sinek. Simon Sinek, great leadership guy, great, great psycho psychological guy. I don't know. He's just great, right? He's got some great stuff. Here's what he says about communication. Communication is not about saying what we think. Communication is about ensuring others hear what we mean. Communication is not about saying what we think. Man, my fear, like that video, right? That video was all about social media and phones, and it turns. Here's, here's my fear with, 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 with too much technology, my fear with how busy we in America are obsessed with being. We think being busy is being successful when really being too busy dehumanizes people. And now what's happened is we don't know how to communicate with one another. And we think the communication is just saying what I think, and you're supposed to change everything about you to get what I'm saying instead of me changing anything about me. And Simon Sinek says, no, 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 it's not about saying what you think. It's about this, getting others to hear what you mean. You know there's a difference in hearing and listening, right? Hearing is I can hear something and never pay attention to it, right? I can, that's why I can read a book and have TV on in the background. My brain, most brains, cannot multitask. Most of them, this is scientifically proven, will, can only focus on one thing at a time. You, hear, you may hear background noise, but you are not focusing on it, so therefore you're not listening to it. That's why I can say I heard you and never repeat back what you said. And I did hear, but I didn't listen. Listening is understanding. Listening is real communication. Watch this. And communication is verbal and nonverbal. Ladies, the reason your husband gets worked up when you walk by and put your hand on his hip when you're just trying to get by the refrigerator? That's nonverbal communication to us. we like, all right, let's go. Green light. Rev the engine. <laughs> let's do it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm for real. Man, that's why she loves for you to flirt with her. Nonverbal communication. Right? Some of y'all are like, I don't know what that means. It's the touches. It's, the, it's, it, it's, it's holding her hand, walking down the street. It's all of those things. And so we've got to learn this communication a tactic of what does it mean to have a good communication life. Because I'm telling you, I'm, and i got counselors sitting in the room today, and I'm, I bet you they tell you the same thing. Communication can fix a lot of issues that we run into. So I want to give you four, not exhaustive lists, four quick tips for good, God-honoring communication. Because some of y'all are like, he's been talking for 15 minutes and hasn't even quoted the Bible yet. I'm getting there. Y'all calm down. Four quick tips for good communication. Number one is this. And this is number one on purpose. This has got to be the first one. Pray first. Pray first. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, has this quick verse. It says this. Pray without ceasing in other words let me put it to you like this never stop praying in fact let me put it like this before you go gossip about somebody's business talk to God first gossiping is not caring gossiping is not prayer 
Before, watch this. Before you get somebody's approval on social media, get God's approval first. Short verse. Three quick words. Life-changing principle. Why is that first? Because what if... Instead of me going to my people or even my spouse about something bothering me first, I went to God. Yeah, but I thought my spouse was first. In reality, your spouse is second. God should be first. Let me tell you my priorities in my life. These are in order, my priorities. God, family, church. That's literally my priorities. God, family, church. Can I just be real honest? I love being your pastor. I love it. This is my heart and soul. I give everything I have here. I've done this for 10 years. I've seen it go from four people down to two people, up to over five, over five six, 700 people at times. Now we're running over six, about 600 people right now, about to launch a new campus, and we're growing, and we just believe we're going to pack every service we have here out, every service in Florence. It's only the beginning. Life change is happening here. Marriages are changing. Like, everything's changing. I love that. But I'm going to tell you something. You don't come before my family you can't come before my family and my family cannot come before my God because because I don't get anchored by my family I get anchored by God and I lead you from that because if my family falls apart and you don't I've still failed it is my greatest honor to be your pastor. One of my greatest honors to be your pastor. It is one of my greatest honors to, for you to attend this church and let's grow together. But I'm telling you something. If I can't do that in the confines of my family, I'm not very good at what I do. I'm not the greatest dad. I'm not a great husband. I'm not a great leader. I'm not a great pastor. But when I pray first, I get better at it all. When I talk to God first, I get better at it all. He says, pray without ceasing. And here's what we have to realize if we're going to go this route, is that prayer isn't a last resort. It's a first opportunity. Prayer is not, you got to grab this, prayer is not a last resort. It is our first opportunity. Because what we go to first is what directs, guides, and anchors us. That's why most of us, or not most, I want to take that back. That's why a lot of people are so emotionally unstable. And it's not because they are up here. It's because they are anchored by social media. It's because they're anchored by politics. It's because they're anchored by opinions. It's because they're anchored by friends. No, I need, you need, we need. I am a body. I mean, I'm a soul with a body, not a body with a soul. And my soul needs to be anchored in the creator of the universe before anything else. My ability to be a husband and a father to my three kids is all comes and stems from my ability to be God's son first. And the same is true for you. We have to learn to pray first. Now, yeah, but I need to talk to my husband about this. That's great. You need to. You're absolutely right. Talk to God and get perspective from him. Now, watch this. I want to talk to you about the difference in prayer. Prayer, a lot of times we think prayer is a monologue. Prayer, that's not prayer. That's a monologue. Jimmy Fallon does one of those five nights a week. Prayer is not a monologue. Prayer is a conversation. Prayer is a moment, I'm going to drive our cameras crazy for a minute, to where we sit and we talk. And we, we do have our requests and our questions and our thoughts toward God. And we sit 
And we're just, I mean, I say sit, uh, you can stand, you can worship, whatever. But you're, you're talking to God, and then there's a moment where you go, all right, God, now I'm going to listen to you. Prayer is not reeling off or rolling off a list of wants and needs before I fall asleep. Prayer is sitting down and going, God, this is where I am. Can you tell me how to get to where you are? And sometimes it takes hours to hear God. But if I never take time to hear God, I'll never hear God. And here's the beauty. He wants to talk to you. He wants to be in your relationship. He wants to be in your marriage. He wants to be in your kids. He wants to be at work. Because here's the question I always get. Pray without ceasing sounds good, but how do I do that? How do I pray without ceasing when people are driving me nuts? How do I pray without ceasing when somebody cuts me off on the interstate? How do I pray without ceasing when my kids are driving me crazy and my spouse is mad at me and I'm having a bad day? How do I do that? Watch this. We involve him in it all. That's prayer. That's praying without ceasing. It's not always sitting in a, in a pose going, oh, it's going. God, in my moment of frustration... I need you, and I need you to speak to me because you know where I am right now. In this moment where I really want to yap away, God, I need you to shut my mouth like the lion in the lion's den. God, in my moment of confusion, I need you to give clarity. Are you following me? That is praying without ceasing. It's not some mystic thing. It's a conversation with the Father. And we have to learn to pray first because, again, I'm going to say this, what you do first determines what happens next. And that's why some of us fly off the handle next because I haven't prayed at all. And now I'm mad at you and frustrated at you and I got an attitude with my spouse and my kids are getting on my nerves. Well, I ain't prayed. I can tell when I haven't taken time in prayer for a while because I get a lot shorter my temper gets a lot shorter. My reactions are a lot more edgy. And it's almost like God going, you know, I can take the edge off of that if you just come spend time with me. And the way I love my spouse is better. And the way I love my kids, the way I love you, the way I lead is different because I can love like Christ when I love Christ. And the closer I get to him, the more I can become like him. And love like him. So the first thing we have to do, we have to learn to pray first. Here's the second thing. Here's the second thing. Treat them, watch this, how you want to be treated. I know, I know, I know you teach your kids that in elementary school, right? Like, I get it. I understand. But it's also something that we can learn in our life today. Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12 says this. It says, um, in everything, somebody say Everything. In everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to what? Treat you. Man, have I failed at that at times. Treat them how you want them to treat you. In other words, I'm going to say it like this. Be what you want to see. When you're going through a hard day, if you want your spouse to be respectful and loving towards you, how are you treating them when they're having a hard day? You're the example they're learning from. You're the example that they're going, that's how they want to be treated? Fine, I'll treat them that way. Whenever you, like, 
Men, we all want to be, we want to be desired. We want our wife to come up to us and be like, baby, you look good. Mm, them car hearts, come on. You know what I'm saying? I don't know where car heart came from, but there it is. Watch this. If you want to be desired that way, give her something to desire. Give her a man that she desires. Be the man God calls you to be. Ladies, same thing. I mean, it's the same concept for every one of us, no matter what. Treat each other the way that we want to be treated. And there are times in my life I've had to go back and be like, that ain't how I want to be treated. There are times that I've had to eat my own medicine, right? And, and they would treat my wife or somebody else would treat me that way. And I'd be like, oh, I don't like that. I did that to them last week. Treat others however you want to be treated with love and with respect. And can we just agree? We've already talked about this, but can we just agree again? Men and women are different. Amen? We're different, man. We're just, we just different. Let me, let me give you an example of my life. This isn't picking on anybody. I, this is just true. I sometimes am too black and white. I'm just too direct. I'm just too straightforward, right? So I'm the kind of guy that, like, if I look at this chair and there's a spot on this chair, I'm the kind of guy that goes, hey, let's clean that chair up. That's pretty straightforward, pretty direct, right? You can apply that mentality to anything you want to in my life. Make up your own stories. Just don't make them up bad and put them all over the place. My wife is this way. Here's how she would communicate. You know, the other day, I went out to eat. And while I was eating, I watched the sweetest little 17-year-old girl. She was working so hard, blonde hair, ribbon there, just, just beautiful little girl. You could just see the joy in her eyes. Like, I'm just in the sparkle. Man, her shoes sparkled. And she comes over, and she asked me, and we have a five-minute conversation. And then she would walk you through the five-minute conversation. And then she would say, and that little girl bent over, and she cleaned the spot off of the booth. And, and man, I just thought about how important it is that we keep things clean. And excellence is a value here at Radiate Church. And I noticed that sometimes there's spots on the chairs, kind of like that spot right there. So... You know, I know, listen, I know what you got going on. Here's what you got going on in your life. Then she'll explain everything you got going on in your life and how she can help you with And then she'll go, but if you get time in the next couple of days, can you just clean that spot for me? One last 10 minutes. One took three seconds. Which one's right? Both. Because we're different. And when we don't embrace the differences of each other, we now become tools rather than partners. And I'm not worried about communicating with her. I'm worried about changing her. And sometimes we need to stop worrying about changing people and embrace who they are anyway. My wife, y'all, I'm going to be real. This is nothing I haven't said to her. It drives me crazy that there's 17 stories connected to one point. I'll be sitting there watching TV, and I'm like, babe and she's like let me just get through it it's so important so good okay if you've never met my wife she sounds nothing like that that's just the best impression i got right and the, and, and, and i'll listen it drives me crazy you know what drives her crazy then i'll look at her and be like no we're not doing it that way get your clothes on put on your shoes get in the car we're leaving now 
And I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not a mean guy. I'm a very nice guy. I care about what people think and how they feel. Sometimes way too much. The reality is, it's just we're different. So can I challenge you to learn how to communicate with the differences of your spouse and be okay with those moments and be okay and treat them the way that you want them or, or that you would want them to treat you? Just be like, all right, I'll put up with that. I'll put up with that. I'll deal with that. It's not even putting up with it. We get to do this, y'all. God gave you his son or God gave you his daughter to spend the rest of your life on earth with and love and have kids with and have intercourse with and do all these great things with. And that's his child and that's his son and that's his daughter. They're not somebody to put up with. They're not a tool in a tool belt. They are someone that we get to love and do life with on this earth. That is an opportunity. That is a privilege. Here's number three. Here's number three. Because some of y'all like, is he going to stop talking about sex? No. I don't think you can have a beneficial or a God-honoring or a great next-level marriage without great sex. I don't think you can. Number three, forgive. Watch this. For real. That's key key phrase in that one. Forgive for real. Let, let, me, let me give you this thought. Ephesians. Flip with me over to Ephesians, or write it down, that's fine, you can go back to it later. Later, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32 says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other. Watch this. Just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Forgiveness is so hard sometimes. And I understand, listen to me, I, I, I need to approach this. I understand that there's people that will be in this room for the rest of this series, there are people that will be in this room through all three experiences. There are people online. There are people in Florence that have been through very abusive relationships, and it's very difficult to get past. I'm not asking you to forget something that you can't process. I'm asking you to do what God has asked us to do and forgive the person. Forgive the person. In fact, there's another scripture that says it like this. If I can't forgive others, how can I expect God to forgive me? It's a challenging verse. Forgiveness is tough. Forgiveness is hard. But when we learn to forgive, we learn to move forward. And can I just tell you, if you bring it up two weeks later and it's like, yes, but do you remember when you say it? Can I just caveat? No, he doesn't remember that. Men, we have compartmentalized brains. And that one goes in a compartment called Forgotten. And that compartment disappears after about, I don't know, 12 hours. And most times we don't remember until you remind us. And that's okay. It's the differences of the two, right? But we need to learn to like for real forgive. Because what we don't forgive builds up as a weapon we will use. And it'll create this wall between not just us and our spouse, but us and God. Because forgiveness is not about setting anybody else free other than yourself. It's like unlocking the prison that you're in and you, they can deal with their thing, but you forgive them. Forgiveness is hard. Forgiveness is tough. But I mean forgive for real. And listen, some of us need to go home and have conversations with our spouse about things that we've never really forgiven anyway. You've been through some stuff. You've seen some things. You've been a, been a part of some stuff, and now you're working on it, but you've never talked about it. Can I tell you, I think 
that can be dangerous. Because what's not talked about is often buried. And what's buried doesn't stay buried forever. It will unearth itself. It may not unearth itself in an argument. But when you don't talk about the fact that you know he was looking at pornography and y'all have moved on, it will come out in the fact that you are now scared to have intercourse with your spouse. Can we be real today? When you're working past the fact that he was very verbally aggressive at times and now he's moved past that but you've never talked about it and never moved past it and never forgiven it, any time that he raises his voice through passion, it now turns into an argument because you're afraid and it brings up memories of something else. It always unearths itself. And here's what the Bible says. It says that we have to be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other. I cannot imagine living in a house, sharing a bed, sharing a a, a life with someone that I can't forgive. Because forgiveness allows us to be real and transparent. Forgiveness allows us to have proper communications about expectations. Can I just beg you and to ask this question at some point over the next seven days? God, what have I not forgiven that I need to? And if we answer that question for real and there's something in there, I promise you, watch this, God will set you free from bondage and from prisons that you never even knew you could be free from. Because we're releasing something that has gripped us and defined us for decades. Forgiveness is huge. In fact, I got a message coming up at some point in, the, this, in 2022 called the real F word. Quit cringing, it's forgiveness. Because we really need to talk about this stuff. We really need to talk about this stuff. Here's the fourth one. You ready? I didn't mean to, by the way, offend anybody in that. It's just, that's the real F word we need to talk about. And, and let me tell you this about forgiveness real quick. I'm sorry is not a phrase. Sorry is an action. Do you know what repentance means? Repentance means to turn the other direction. So repentance means if I'm facing this way and I repent of something, I'll turn and face this way. And I'm going to go this way. So when I tell my spouse I'm sorry, but there's no sorry action placed on it, and I go, I'm sorry that that hurt you, but I'm going to continue to do it because, after all, it is a struggle of mine. No, I, I get the struggle. Everybody struggles. It's not the struggle that's the problem. It's giving in to the struggle that can be the problem. If I'm really sorry, I will turn. If I really love, I will turn. That's why God asks for repentance in a relationship with him to turn and face another direction. And we got to come to a place to where we really are sorry with action. The fourth one, the last one right here, is we have to be uplifting. We have to be uplifting. In Proverbs chapter 18, in verse 21... Proverbs 18 and 21. This is one of my favorite scriptures when it comes to the power of words and the power of our tongue. It says this, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. Wow. Death and life. Y'all feel the weight of that? Are in the power of the tongue. In other words, it's in the power of what I say. It's in the power of what I, how I react That's why when she says, it's not what you said, it's how you said it. Yeah, because you tore her down. This is for me. You tore her down in a moment when you didn't mean to, but it still did. There are times in my life I have to go, man, I'm being way too this way. I'm being way too, am I adding life to my spouse? My wife 
loves to say it like this. I, I love this phrase. She started saying this several years ago. I want to be a helpmate more than a hurtmate. In other words, I want to give life more than I give death. I want to uplift. If what I say to them is always pointed with an attitude about what they've done wrong or haven't done at all, can I tell you, that's not adding life to anybody. My counselor, I meet with a counselor every month because just to, I want to get better in life. And so we talk. You know one of the things he, he tells me? It's because sometimes my wife and I will both get on there and just talk to him because we want to grow. We want to get better. I think you get better when you're healthy rather than wait until you're sick. And so we're in this thing and we talk. And he looked at me one time and he said, I can tell how good you're doing by the joy your wife has in her face. He said, if she comes to me with long face, disappointed, frustrated, I can read it before she ever says a word. And he says, here's why. Because if you're adding life to her, she walks with life. But if you're adding death, she walks with death. I'm like, dang. That's not fun. Because it's challenging. Y'all, I'm going to give you a glimpse. Can I give you a glimpse into your pastor's life? I want your pastor to know... I want you to know that your pastor does not glow in the dark and walk around with a halo over his head all the time. And the truth is, is I'm not all the time, yeah. I did say all the time. Just sometimes. <laughs> the truth is, is, man, I struggle with things too. I, I can be too direct. My, my words can be too much sometimes. I get that. Y'all, I, I, sarcasm is a spiritual gift for me. It's a spiritual gift. Sometimes it's a spiritual curse, too. And um, I love, y'all, I just love joking. I love to laugh. I love to laugh. I think everybody in life should laugh all the time. Laughter's the best medicine. That's why sometimes I can be easy to read because if I'm just laughing, I probably have a problem that I'm trying to work out. And I'm like, this is medicine. <laughs> I just do. And I do it at home. It's not something I just do with you or my friends or up here. It's like I do it at home. So my wife, I always have a quick comeback, right? And sometimes it's just me and her and it's adult friendly. She's my wife. Sometimes it's just I do it with my kids. I do it with my staff. Like I just love joking. And so the other day, I think it was Saturday, Friday or Saturday. I think it was Saturday. I said, she said something to me. I really don't even remember the full conversation. I said something back to her sarcastically, right? And I started laughing, and she was like, babe. Right? And then, like, again, she doesn't sound anything like that. And then she said something to my oldest son. What I forget is sarcasm is a spiritual gift for me, but I got three young ears listening. And they don't just repeat what I say. They repeat how I say it. And so she said something to my oldest son, and my oldest son turns around and says something sarcastic back. And I'm be real honest, I laughed a little bit. It wasn't him being disrespectful. He wasn't trying to be disrespectful. But the way it was said, in the tone it was said, I was like, oh, uh-uh, that's your mama. You don't talk to your mama like that. And, and, yeah, and she goes, he said something about, I was joking, dad jokes all the time. He said, and Megan said something, y'all, that checked me so hard in that moment. She said, well, he's my husband. He can talk to me ways that you can't. Now watch this. Now while that is partly true, I looked at her and said, no. I should not accept the example that he can talk to you in that tone 
and it is accepted in this house, and I have done that, and so I'm sorry. And I will do better at that. Thank you. I, I didn't, <laughs> that's not about pin a rose on me. That's about me going, I'm human and struggle with the same things everybody else in this room struggles with. But here's what it is, right? Is I don't want, I want my kids to know how to uplift somebody more than they tear them down. And we live in a world today where it is easier to tear somebody down than it is to lift them up. And I don't know any greater way than for Christ to be spread and the church to grow than to be a place of uplifting and of loving more than tearing somebody down. We speak into who they can be, not what they have been. We hold them accountable to their future, not their past. And I don't know about you, but I just believe that we can start that in marriages and in parents and in church and in life and we just speak life over people and I told her I was like that's my bad I'm sorry I'll probably do it again but I'm gonna try not to now I just gave you just a quick thing that we could put in our toolbox today and I hope you walk out of here and you go man that was a good message I related to that and now watch this I hope you walk out of here and live it out and it doesn't matter, I need you to hear this, it doesn't matter if you're married, engaged, single, divorced, none of that matters. Here's what matters. What do we do with what God's trying to build in us? What do we do with what God's trying to teach us? What do we do with where God's taking us? What do we do with what he's doing in us? Because watch this, God will always do something in you before he does something through you. And so it changes with you. And my prayer today is, I'm going to pray over you. And here's my prayer, that we walk out of here and it, our communication level goes to here. And here's what I promise you. If our communication gets intentional and we take it to here, your entire marriage, future or current, your entire marriage, your love life, your sex life, your parenting, your, your communication, worship with God, all that goes from here to here. Why? Because expectations are clearly expressed and now you know how to get to where you need to get to so that you can be who you need to be because we've learned communication. And I don't know anybody in the room that doesn't want that. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We honor you. Thank you. Thank you that hundreds of people are coming to this campus today, and we're going to grow. We're going to grow. Thank you for people that are online. Thank you for people in Florence today. Thank you, God, that you're doing something amazing in this house at Radiate Church. And it's not just what you're doing in here. It's what you're doing in us and what you're doing through us. And God, change us. Grow our communication. Help us communicate better with you and with each other. Help us love deeper and love more boldly. God, just help us get to a place to where this is one of the tools in our toolbox to see everything that you have for our marriages when we do it your way. In just a minute, I'm going to say amen. And in Florence, your campus director is going to give up and give you some next steps. And in just a minute, you're going to get some next steps here in Columbia about what you can do to be a part of a move of God right here in your own hometown. Father, we love you. We honor you. We give you all that we have. In your name we pray. Come on, make some noise with me. Amen.